Good morning. Welcome to the Gathering Place podcast. I am Pastor Todd. This week, Pastor Byron is preaching a message to edify the church. I hope you are edified as well. And now, Pastor Byron. And the reason the reason I say that is uh, as I was preparing for this, <clears throat> I was going through these verses and I said, man, it was a blank. What, what, this is some historical stuff, and what's there? So I approached it again. I said, all right, you know, I know your father. I know without you I can do nothing. Open up my eyes to see what you have. It did it. And it's amazing. When they try to take notes away, I don't like this happen to me all the time, but you've heard this before. When we were over at the other at Adler Park, I was driving down Milwaukee Avenue and had it all down in preparation already. And uh, and Holy Spirit says, "Scrap it." <laughs> so you got to be kidding! Don't you know there's preparation? Oh no, I'm your preparation, and I have something completely different you to share this morning. Just believe and get up and start talking. So God is God is full of surprises. And this year, 2023, is going to be surprises for all of us. And I was sharing, to the, when I was driving to the men's breakfast, I was walking there and I, I shared it this morning. I said, Man, it's our heart. We're believers. We would love to be walking in the in the beautiful will of God in our life. And the Holy Spirit says, just act on what I say. Not too hard. Just act on what I say. Do it. And that you know, and that means uh, if you meet a stranger at a store. And to start a conversation with them. Do it. Just do it. There's a, was that, a, a, a Nike phrase or something? Just do it. The highest level of walking with Jesus is having a heart to listen and do what he says. <clears throat> this might be a little part of Moses' life. So, Father God, in Jesus' name, Lord, I ask you that our ears are open, that we may hear what you have for us, Father God. I thank you even though this happened, these events happened thousands of years ago, they're relevant today in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. It's Exodus chapter 2, and we're going to pick up the story in verse 11, one day after Moses had grown up. One day after Moses had grown up. What we have hidden from us is from an infant to 40 years old. And, and Moses, in that time, was raised up in the greatest leader of the world at that time in his household. Moses was raised up in an environment 
where nothing would be refused from him. Moses was raised up in a culture that worshipped all kinds of gods. For 40 years. For 40 years. So this term, after Moses grew up, it could, it could possibly mean, I'm not saying it is, but it could possibly mean that finally God showed him and opened up his ears and eyes of something that required an action. Uh, that was not, it did not seem evident from an infant to 40 years old. But when he grew up, something happened. He went out to where his people were and under wretched, wretched, or um, with people were and watched them in their hard labor. You know what? He was seeing that growing up. He was seeing that that slavery of the of the Hebrew people for 40 years. But now, when he grew up, now when he grew up, <clears throat> and saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. Could have been the end of story, right? Life goes on, living in the palace, living in in everything that was afforded to him in the palace. <clears throat> Twenty-four hours later, the next day, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, "Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew?" Interesting. You know, he woke up, he woke up, he grew up. He took some action that he thought was righteous and killed an Egyptian. And the very next day, he tries to implement his newfound position and bring healing to a big argument. You know, there's a funny story. Lydia might know this, and Peter might know this. But my, my dad and mom uh, wanted to check back their heritage, and they took a trip to Greece. And uh, they took a taxi cab in this busy town called Athens. And uh, one taxi cab cut off another taxi cab. This doesn't happen in Chicago, but it's culturally in the Greek culture. My mom and dad are sitting in the cab, and that cab driver gets out of his cab. And the other cab driver gets out of the cab, blocking all the traffic and yelling at each other. Oh, you did this. And yelling at each other. So my dad got out of the cab. And he said, hey, guys, settle up, man. Cool, you know, let's, let's get the." And they both took him and said, get back in the cab. This is our argument. <laughs> keep, keep, get, get out of our fight. So then finally, in the, in the Greek culture, they, they yelled at each other and all that stuff. No violence like we see in the city of Chicago. So then they both laughed, got in their cabs, and went on their way. <laughs> so here's Moses seeing 
an argument and he's trying to, his newfound destiny 24 hours later the thing is he's trying to do is settle an argument amongst the Hebrew, two Hebrew people. The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking on killing me as you killed the Egyptian? And Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must become known. You know, it's interesting. You know, it's, uh, we should always be trying to help people in restoration. But remember, it's not always accepted. But that shouldn't keep us from doing it. So, little side thing. And then uh, now the news spreads. You know, they didn't have Fox News or nothing else, but the talking goes fast. Boom, 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 boom. Evidently, met all the way up into Pharaoh's house, and Pharaoh heard of this and tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian where he sat down by a well. Interesting. And now, we have this picture, 40 years old, left the palace, left all his privileges, left everything that was afforded to him, uh, just got involved in a, uh, he found his new destiny, killed an Egyptian, tried to settle arguments, didn't work out very well for him. They didn't like that. They said, who, who made you ruler? And he flees Egypt, sitting by a well. There he is. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. Interesting enough, and in in, I'm going to make, make it now that no, in those 40 years, it didn't, we, doesn't seem evident that Moses ever married. He was single for 40 years and ran out of Egypt for his life at a well. In Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and filled the troughs with water there, and uh, water where, where uh, there her father's flocks. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flocks. Interesting thing, at a well. Now, you know what? I, I, I was digging into this. I spent some time, but I just pulled two things that, for your own benefit, start looking in Scripture about events at wells. And and you'll, you'll find all kinds of information. One thing, if, uh, if uh, there was a a group coming against a city, they'd block the well and block the water supply. And, uh, and, and, and the wells are often a place where the people of the villages congregated and shared and had life together. And the, and the water coming from the well also seemed to represent, you know, Jesus, our flowing, living water that, that's in our life. But I picked out two. I picked out two that interested me. The first one was Jacob. Jacob, he was on travels, and he came to a well. And he met somebody at the well, 
that needed some help, Rachel. And uh, he assisted her and helped her. And, and, uh, and the main, interesting, in this first meeting Rachel, it, it doesn't say he loved her, but he said he kissed her when he found out that there was connect, family connection. And, and he was moved by that. And later, later on, he never knew that little divine meeting of Rachel and Jacob at a well would be the beginning of creating a whole nation. Right? Because out of him came the 12 tribes of Israel, two of which came from Rachel. So that, but spending time at the well, uh, you, you never know the surprises what God has for you going forward. And I would encourage us, where's the, we can meet at the well every day because Jesus is our well. The second one I found interesting is very well known in the church of Jesus meeting a Samaritan woman at a well. And back to, back to Rachel, Rachel ran back home and, and the father kind of said, hey, you know, this usually takes you hours. Why are you back so soon? He said, well, some guy Moses helped us out and that's why we're back. You better have him come to the house for dinner. And, and he didn't know that stay was going to be wind up 14 years. 14 years of becoming a father of the 12 tribes of Israel. A lot of things happened at the well. So Jesus was at the well. Disciples left, he's all alone, and the Samaritan woman shows up. And he starts, starts having a conversation. We're all familiar with the story, right? But her eyes were open to who he was. She also, like Rachel, went back home and started talking about Moses and what. Now, in turn, the woman, Samaritan woman went into the village and said, hey, I just met this guy that knows everything about me. I would like to add that she understood this person that she met was personified love because you could say he knows all about me and didn't judge me. He must be the Messiah. He must be the Messiah. And it says because of her, her conversation with the village people, uh, uh, many of them came to believe in the Messiah. And now we get back, back to the young ladies, the seven daughters. When the girls returned to Raul, their father, he asked them, why have you returned so early today? They answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flocks. And where is he? Raul asked the daughters, why? Did you leave him? Invite him in for something to eat. So Moses 
agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. And Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. Um, Forty years of disconnection until God revealed, revealed to him his identity going forward. Now the next few verses encompass another 40 years with not a lot of information except that he got married and he had a son. And he lived in the house of Midian. Forty years later, now, during that long period, now from 40, now he's 80. And God's not finished with him yet. The king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out and their cry for help because of their slavery went to God. You know, I, I want to stop there because, you know, God, God hears your cry. God hears your beckoning to him. God is not disconnected with the issues that you're going through in life. God is greatly concerned about those issues that you're going through life. And God is on the move, whether we actually see it or not. Here, here, uh, God had Moses for 40 years living in the palace with nothing denied him. Man, you can get kind of comfortable with that. You can, get, you can kind of get say, you know, man, life has done me well. There's nothing that's out of my reach. There's nothing I can't have for 40 years. And you think, you think after 40 years of that, that would define a life. You think that would be your defining of your life going forward. But God had another plan. God had another plan. He showed up when he was 40 and open up his eyes to see and his ears to hear and to find out his true identity. And we're going to learn a little bit about this in a few minutes. Learn about his true identity. And then he, he, he took those actions and he, and he had to flee for his life. Went to the well, met some people, and he lived in that household a million for 40 years, and now he's 80. <clears throat> you can say, well, 80, man, are you, is, that, is it all done for you? Is it all finished? You know, is, is, does God have anything more for you? I mean, uh, I mean, pastors, they usually start thinking about retirement in their mid-60s. And, and yet, 
Yet Moses is here at 80 years old, and the information given to us is that the king died, and God was hearing their cries, and God heard their groanings, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and with Jacob. So God looked on Israel and was concerned about them. But he was working in a person's life since a child. You know what? God has been looking at your life from the day you were born. And, and God has shown you and me. He's shown us different things. He's shown us some different uh, things that he has for us. Remember earlier, I said, you know what? The will of God, when you know what's in your heart and you know what he has for you, act upon it. Act upon, just act upon it. And he said, so here's 80 years old, and, and God wasn't surprised by his method of releasing a whole nation of millions from slavery. Way back, way back, and we'll learn a bit, way back, a mother, a mother gave born to a son and said, I see destiny in his life. I am going to protect this son from being drowned in the river. At my own risk, I'm going to care for this son. And then came up with a plan came up with a plan. But I want to remind us over and over again, uh, whether our children are older, younger, or whatever else, and you're working with people, ask God to show you the destiny he has for them. And a lot of that in this church, a lot of that comes through uh, openness to prophetic words. And, and that's one of the purposes of prophetic, the to define for individuals what God thinks of them and what God's plan for them and, and beckoning them to take action on that. So, the king dies, God hears. God's been working in a person's young baby's life from a child. And now he's 80 years old. takes a different turn. Um, you know, he, in some instances in the Old Testament, he, he called up younger people to take the challenge. In this instance, he had a man he was working with 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in Midian. He's 80, and God says, you're the man. You're the man. I'm going to call you to the most significant uh, adventure and, and of your whole life because now you're going to stand in front of the greatest uh, power in the known world, the Pharaoh in Egypt. Are you ready for it, Moses? Are you ready? I've heard the cries of Israel. You're the guy. No matter how old or young we are, 
and I, and I don't want to emphasize the old. Wherever you are in life, are you ready for the greatest adventure of your whole life? Say yes to him. Say yes to him. In, in closing, and we're not done yet, but in closing, uh, whoever that writer of Hebrews made a snapshot, took a snapshot of this person Moses. And it's very interesting what he, he says, what we've learned now and what we're going to learn going forward. They, in a few words, uh, the writer Hebrews draws out and says, what about that guy? What about that guy that's known? And, and, it, it's, uh, and one, of the, one of the characteristics that Moses was known for was humility. I wonder, sometimes I wonder, how did that nurture humility in him when he had this high position for 40 years in Egypt. But he, but he was. That's what he's known for. That's what he's known for. So the snapshot. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. You know, it's a little, little expansion of the Old Testament record. They saw potential in their baby. So all of us, Maya with your young children, and Justin and Fine and all, all that have ask God to open your eyes to the potential in your children and then nurture it. Then nurture it. Affirm them in it. Lead, lead them into their full potential. It says, they, in the, and saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. You see, it's uh, <clears throat> just a sideline. You know, they weren't afraid, and and really, the expansion of that, they weren't afraid if the Egypt discovered who, that they were doing this, they very well were willing to give up their life. Now, they say, you know, it's, uh, and, I, and I went through this twice with cancer. It's, uh, it's you know, the, the root, the really root of fear is the fear that you're going to die. Think about it. You know, something you don't feel right or something else. Then you get the word twice in my life. Oh, you have cancer. And, and where you go, you're not afraid of the cancer. You're afraid of dying. Guess what? Jesus solved that problem. So don't spend any time and waste any time of worrying about your next day and your next day, your next week, your next month. Don't spend any time, and the root is that, oh man, I could die. He took care of that. He took care of that. 
That's why they're like, oh, death, where's your sting? Psst, gone. Who, taking all the effort, hanging on, to, hanging on to life, will achieve anything? Focus on the life that God has given. So they were, it says, and they were not afraid of the king. Why? They're not afraid that he could kill them. That's 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 a beautiful testament. What has been, you know, you, Nancy had the book of the martyrs, and you, you know, these guys are are serving Jesus Christ with no fear of their life being taken. You know, as far as far as we're, we're on we're on the good side of this, but Jesus once said, "Don't fear who can kill the body; fear the one that can cast you into hell forever." By Moses, by faith, Moses, when he grew up, that's that when he when he had grown up back to that word that we heard back in 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 the record there when he grew up forty years old and kind of realized who he really was and what is part of what his destiny was, refused to be known as a son of the Pharaoh's daughter. His, and we got a little bit in, in Genesis, and now we're hearing it now that that his, something clicked in knowing who he was. Mom and Dad knew it right when he was born. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. You know, and, and that's an interesting thing that by the Holy Spirit that God pulled out in Hebrews that is never identified in his first 40 years. You know, did he live a fully righteous life? I don't know. Did he, did he never partake in terrible craziness of Egypt? I don't know. But we do know that the Holy Spirit revealed that 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 he he chose to follow God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin, and and there is a certain pleasure to sin, but it, but it, but it'll capture you and destroy you. And he, at forty years old, he kind of thought about that, and maybe he took that shift in life, and said. Oh, going forward, I'm going to listen to what God says, and I'm going to do it. Maybe. We know something that something changed in him at 40 years old. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ for a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead for his reward. That's a major shift. And you know, the scripture tells you and me that uh, following Jesus and following his, what he's saying to us and, and especially acting upon what we know what he's telling us to do, to go ahead and do it, that, that the writers in the New Covenant say he's a rewarder to those who diligently seek after him. And those rewards are not just waiting for heaven. 
I'll let you know that right now. God is going to sustain you, help you, guide you, lead you, take care of you through this life and a greater in the next. Greater in the next. So he's a rewarder. So it says that Moses uh, didn't regard to, to enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. He regarded, he regarded this grace for the sake of Christ, for the greater treasure of because he was looking ahead for his reward. Whole change. Whole change. By faith, he left Egypt. Not fearing the king's anger, he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. You know, that's, uh, <clears throat> faith is in the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence of of the invisible, what you don't see. And so many, so many times in our life, so many times in our life, we, we, we want to know, we want to see, we, wanna, we want it now and everything else. But look at, look at Moses now. 40 years in the palace, 40 years in the house of Midian, than 40 years of completing the vision that God had for him and leading the whole nation out of bondage. Out of bondage. I want to end with something that, uh, let me see here. We don't have it there at Twilight. If you can pick it up really quick. Uh, Psalms 25, 7. Sure. And I think it defines Moses maybe for his first 40 years and maybe define ourselves. Ourselves. And it's, it's a beautiful psalm. And it says, in the Psalms he says, do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways according to to your love, remember me. For you, Lord, are good. Twenty twenty-five, verse seven. Psalms twenty-five, verse seven. You know what? It's uh, it, it you know, in, in closing, I I guess you and I have a choice. I mean, Moses had a choice when he entered into his destiny, and. I have no idea what he participated in the first 40 years of his life. All I know is it says he, uh, he walked away from sinful pleasures and whatever that means, you know. And he, and he, but, but here, you and, I, you and I have a choice. And, 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 I, and I, I can pers personally attest to it because it, it's, a, it's a, one of the battles that I go through life and stuff like that. And you think of all the things you did bad when you were young. <laughs> and, and God is saying, don't place your anchor there. Amen. Yes, amen. Thank you, Jesus. 
Don't place your anger anchor there. Take the faith, grab that knife, and cut that rope that's connected to that anchor. Because he did it, already did it for you. He already did it for you. And he said, and, and the psalmist is saying there, you know, God, I, I, don't, I don't ever, I don't want to remember my sins in my youth anymore. And, 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 I, and I really want to acknowledge that you don't want to either. And then the writer in, in, uh, in Romans says, wow, that's a, that's a fact from Scripture about when you and I gave our life to Jesus. And I know I was living a very sinful life, and I was really, and all of a sudden God revealed his love through a guy in Pennsylvania, and my life was changed and everything else. And you know what? My past was cut off. And how do I know that? Well, Holy Spirit and the love of the Father took a knife and cut that off, and he said, that anchor is forever forgotten in the depths of the sea. Because I, because I sent my son Jesus and you came into relationship with him and because you and I are a great, greatly loved and highly favored son and daughter, the father, father image, father, I choose not to remember all your sins. Very important. Very important that that and, and the the thing the fact of the matter is you and I can come in and out of that. Why? <coughs> Here's some things. Why don't you think about it? God wants to use everyone in this room. God wants to use us to reach all these children. There's almost more of them than us. They're all floating around here. And, and although we have teachers there, uh, it may be God may choose you to lead one of them to Jesus Christ. Maybe God wants to use you to lay hands on somebody that they would receive health or healing. But here's the deal. If we keep that anchor back on who we were, here's how that can be, how the battle can go on in our spirit. I'm not worthy. Uh, I'm not good enough. You know, I haven't been faithful enough. Or, why, God, why are you coming to me to do this? I want to remind you. I mean, remind you, because going forward, at least look at Moses. Maybe there, there was a little bit of that in Moses. I can't talk. I can't do this. You know? Uh, 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 Maybe he didn't think he was a big enough person to do the huge job that God had for him. And God says, you're the man. 
In other cases in Scripture, he would tell people, if you won't do it, I'll find somebody else to do it. But the fact of the matter, I've chosen you. It's, uh, I, I love the journey of knowing God's faithfulness, goodness, kindness, and mercy. I know that I know that, that I know his voice. I know when he's speaking to me. And I know when he's asking me to go into an area of the impossible that I serve the God of the impossible. And I, 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 you, it's my life, so I, it's some of the stories are repeated. But when a, a woman is dying in Condell Hospital and there's no hope for her, and I'm driving home, and I hear the Holy Spirit say, go to her now. Time for action or inaction. It's already late. I, I can make all excuses. Maybe, maybe they won't let me in. Maybe this, maybe that. You know, all. No. You go to that dying woman now. Amen. I came home I said, Nancy, got orders from headquarters. I'm supposed to go to the hospital. And the first Nothing, when you, when you say yes and act upon what he's telling you to do, the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Nothing can stop it. You're in the will of God and you're moving in the will of God and there's, the, the enemy cannot stop with God's plan for the action that he wants you and I to make. First, first option. I get to the Condell Hospital. You're working there now, right? I get to Condell. Angels, there's a lot of stuff going on there. A lot of cool things are happening at the hospital. So I, I get to the front desk. I said, I'm here to see Mrs. Walsh. Oh, I'm very sorry. <clears throat> She's in intensive care. The family's gone. You cannot go see her. And out of the corner of my eye, all of a sudden, in the distance, appeared a nurse. Comes walking up beside me, looks at the woman at the desk, points at her, says, he can come with me. And I'm saying, I'm sitting there, what is happening? How did this nurse even know who I am? What's going on in this place? And the lady backed off. Said, okay, okay. I never got a room number. I never got anything from the front desk. The nurse said, come on, Byron, come along. Come along. Took me to the Mrs. Walsh bedside with all the life support. Sat there and looked at me. Because the only word she ever spoke in this whole thing is, he can come with me. And it was all just smiling and 
escorting me to the, to the bedside of this woman. And I'm sitting there kind of awed and say, wow. I'm looking at the nurse. I'm looking at the woman. And she's ice cold and machines are going, you know, all kinds of tubes and stuff going on all over. And I'm saying to myself, hey, Lord, you know, I'm doing, I'm acting upon what you said. What's next? I don't know. Just pray for her. Just. Oh, that becomes such a small word. Just pray for us. You know, when we meet on Wednesday nights, it's not just praying. When we meet in your home and you're praying, it's not just praying. It's a God that you're talking to can move mountains. So I just leaned over, held her hand, whispered in her ear, Father, heal her for her sake of her children and her grandchildren. That's just, just flowed out of my mouth. That's all that came out of my mouth. I looked up, and this nurse is smiling. And I said, and I, so I kissed her on the forehead. I said, I guess I'm done here. So I walked out, glanced back, nurse disappeared. Went home and told Nancy, I said, this is, I never experienced anything like this. This is crazy. I, I feel like it's just, I, I think I'm in a dream. Nancy, I don't know what just happened. But praise God, I mean, I acted on what he said. That's all I know. I did it. Early the next morning, I'm at work. I get a call from her son. It says, did you see my mom last night? Yeah. What'd you do? Pray for her. What'd you pray? I prayed that God would heal her for the sake of her children and grandchildren. He starts crying. He says, the nurse's station called me and said some guy went into your mother's room spent five or ten minutes and left. And when he left, she totally woke up and we had to disconnect everything. And she wanted to go home right now. And we kept her overnight because we said, no, 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 we can't You'll go home in the morning. And her son said, I'm, I'm going to pick up my mom. She's totally jumping and can't wait to get home. When he says something, when he says something, whether it be Moses to lead a whole nation out of bondage or it's something that God has you to do, act upon it. Act upon it. And you're going to, and you'll see some amazing, amazing things in your life that you can never even imagine because he's a rewarder to those who say yes to him. <clears throat> and, and some of those rewards are on this side of heaven. Don't let anybody tell you any different 
I got to wait for heaven. God, God's ready to take you through thick and thin, and and He's looking for men and women that will say yes to Him, even if it looks impossible. So some time passed. Mrs. Walsh went to be with Jesus, and I. Her son called me, said, "You can please come to the wake and stuff. I'd love to see you there because you're part of a crazy, amazing story. So I go to the wake here in Libertyville, and he pulls me off the side, and he says, Byron, do you remember almost a year ago? Do you remember what you prayed? I said, sure, I do, that she, that she would be healed for the sake of her children and grandchildren. Pizarro, you have no idea. You have no idea. What went into motion when God took that woman from sickness, bondage, into life? He said, all my sisters and all my grandchildren, because of that miracle, gave their life to Jesus. So, we can clap about it, we can rejoice about it, but you know what? It's you guys. It's you guys. God wants to empower you. God is a God that has forgotten your failures. Remember that. God is Him that made you worthy. You haven't made you worth it. You know, and, and I was thinking about it. it's. Uh, it's. Uh, <clears throat> I was. I was thinking about while we were doing communion, and occasionally people will not take communion. You know what? If you think you've messed up so bad not to take communion, I want to set you straight. Take communion, because that's that that act is reminding you of God's grace and love and mercy and kindness on your life. And it's, it's, a, it's a shore you up to who you are because who you are is not defined on your, messes, your mess that you made. It's not, that's not who defines you. Jesus defines you. Jesus defines who you are. Jesus has washed you and cleansed you and, and given you the gift of righteousness. And Jesus has put you in a position to be used for kingdom work. So no excuses, no excuses. God has things for all of us to do. And, he, and when you hear him ask you to do something, put it into action. Put it into action. Don't bring up a bunch of excuses. Put it into action. Because he's made you who you are. He's defined, it's him who defines who you are. Sons and daughters of the Most High. Sons and daughters of the Most High. Great potential there. Great potential there. So Father God, we just thank you, John. I love you, John. It's, uh, I, I, you know what I love, John? I love, when you're leading us into worship, I feel your heart that believes every word you're singing. 
That's what I see. I, 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 you have a great voice and you've got great talents, but what I see when you're leading us into worship, I see a man that believes every word that you're singing. And that's all. And may we, as we're worshiping God and everything else and, and going through the, this act of worship, believe what we're singing. Don't, you know, and I got to learn that myself. I got a terrible singing voice, but it's a, but I, I got to believe what I'm singing. I got to believe what I'm hearing. I got to believe. So, were your ears open? Did you get something? Yeah. Did you get something? Amen. Are, are you going to act upon it? Yes. Are you going to act upon it? Yes. Are you worthy? Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> Who said no? <laughs> You're worthy. You're worthy because he made you worthy, not because you made you worthy. You're worthy. We're worthy. Father God, if we worship you right now, Father God, help us to believe who you made us. Help us to believe he handpicked us for a destiny in our own lives. And Father, help us to take that what he's shown us and act upon it. I want to let you know something. When you start getting in that mode of acting upon what he's saying, he'll give you more. He might even give you something more difficult. But rejoice in it. Because he's the one that makes you strong. It's not by you. Not by power, you. Not by all your talents. Not by power, not by might. Not by all your knowledge but by my spirit, says the Lord. And he's anxious to use us to build his kingdom. Amen. This is Pastor Todd. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I pray the Lord uses today's message by Pastor Byron to strengthen your walk with God. If you were blessed by this message and would like to support the ministry of The Gathering Place financially, I encourage you to use our online giving portal at tgpchicago.org. Our portal uses PayPal's secure site so none of your information is compromised. Once again, thank you for tuning in to The Gathering Place podcast. God bless you and have a great week.